When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Between recording the next episode of my podcast, running a business, and all of the things life throws my way, sometimes it's good to just get away. Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis here. And let me tell you, I love booking a trip where I can escape. There's nothing like spending a few days at the beach, relaxing and spending time with family. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter your reasons, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Eva Longoria. And I am Maite Gomez-Rejon. And welcome to Hungry Hungry for History. A podcast that explores our past and present through food. On every episode, we'll talk about the history of some of our favorite dishes, ingredients, and beverages. So make yourself at home. Y buen provecho. This is an exciting episode because it's Women's History Month, which could be every month of the year. Yes, I agree. I agree. (laughs) You and I are always talking about amazing women. Yes, you're Um, one of them. (laughs) You're one of them. Thanks. I don't know. But um, yes, I love talking about women, celebrating women, and talking about cookbooks. I'm obsessed with talking about cookbooks, especially She is. (laughs) She is. She is. Every time I come over, I'm like carrying a million books. Um, but there's so many ones, you know, cookbooks written by little known women. And I love to highlight these. And one of the women that we're talking about today, I learned from you, Elena Cedalleta. So I'm excited to talk about her. And I'm excited to talk about Encarnacion Pinedo. And we just did a text specs episode. And both of these women are California Max. So, oh, so we they're got, Chicanas before the term Chicana. I mean, we're going way yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, we're going way yeah, back, like, like 1898. Well, right. I I love talking about cookbooks, and so I'm excited to dive into these amazing women, um, these powerhouse Latinas in the 1800s who were really revolutionary. A hundred percent. I first want to talk about Encarnacion Pinedo, who okay. was born right when California became part of the U.S. So she was living in this in this world, this sort of in between world. But she, in 1898, when she was 50 years old, she became the first Latina 
to write a Spanish language cookbook. What's interesting about Encarnacion, which is such a a beautiful uh, name, like one of those beautiful names. She was born. She was born into an elite family, but but during this um, time where uh, California was quote unquote sold to the United States after the Mexican American War, they lost their land. They did. They lost their land. Her her grandfather and her uncles were killed. Their ranch is taken. I mean, this was the story of so many people during this time period. Um, And they were these elite, educated people who all of a sudden became second-class citizens in their own home and all of a sudden had nothing. I mean, they Mm -hmm. were from Santa Clara in Northern California. Their family had the first house in that area. She was 50 years old. This unmarried woman, very well educated. Her father, before her father died, he begged her mother to give her daughters a very good education. And we know about this from this from this book. Um, she wrote up the book for her nieces. Her sister, one of her sisters had married an Anglo, and she was afraid that her nieces were going to forget who they were. Um, because mm. their father was white. So she did not want them to lose their roots and lose a sense of who they were. Oh, So she decided to write this cookbook and calls it El Cocinero Español, the Spanish cook. Not the Mexican cook, the Spanish wow. cook. That's not surprising because I think, you know, with the new Anglo majority in California at this time, to be called a Mexican was pretty derogatory. So a lot of these elite Californios always called themselves Spanish, which is not wrong, by the way, because at this time, you know, a lot of those old Spanish families never intermarried with uh, indigenous people or Mexicans. And so, so, you know, I do think though, some of it was, a, was a, about like, oh, we don't want to have the label of Mexicans. Let's call ourselves Spanish. Yes, exactly. And this is something that sort of stuck, like even today, you know, we, sometimes we refer to the red rice as Spanish rice. I don't know why it's called Spanish rice because nobody in Spain eats the red rice. No. It, I mean, paella, paella is red, but that's from saffron. It's a totally different thing. It's more using the term Spanish like to, to Hispanicize these, these things. So it becomes just sort of very, very confusing. And it kind of starts with Encarnacion. What are the recipes? What are the recipes in it? Like, what are some of the dishes? She has about 800 dishes. One thing that's interesting is that 15% of the recipes come from um, El Cocinero Mexicano, which is the earliest cookbook published in Mexico. So 15% of the recipes are from this cookbook. Um, but she has about 800 recipes. Oh, my God. I know. It's, 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 a, proper, it's a proper cookbook, like a full-on cookbook. She has uh, tons of chiles, tons of spices, vinegar, wine. Um, She has three different recipes for chilaquiles. She has 14 recipes for chile relleno. Ten What? 14 recipes for chiles rellenos. How many ways can you make chile chile relleno? (laughs) You could do, you could do meat, you could do cheese, you could do vegetables, different salsas, (laughs) different chiles. Um, Ten recipes for codfish, including the bacalao, the Christmas bacalao. And she has 57 different salsas. 
57 Side Wow. This is all in one book? This is all in one book. Yeah, this is all in one book. And so was she the first Spanish cookbook in the U.S. or there was a a couple others before hers? This is the first Spanish language cookbook in the U.S. There were other Spanish sort of Mexican cookbooks that had been printed in Mexico that, that, that were then printed in the U.S. and more in the East Coast. And then there were other recipes like um, Junior League sort of little cookbooks that were published by churches, and they included some Mexican recipes that were attributed to the housekeepers of the women that were writing this cookbook. But this is the full-on first Spanish-language cookbook published by a woman. Wow. Well, I love that um, in the cookbook, um, she assumed the reader's knew how to cook. So a lot of the directions were like, and make it in the usual manner. <laughs> Can you imagine reading a cookbook today going, and you know, saute those mushrooms in the usual the manner. The way that you do. Yeah. The way that you do. The way yeah. that you do. Don't go anywhere. Hungry for History will be right back. When you buy a new house, you might say, shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Hola, que tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, Sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations. Como la playa que viste en ese show or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are and no matter the reason, The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. From the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show. Here's more on Encarnación Pinedo, the first Latina to publish a Spanish language cookbook in the United States. She leaves this heirloom to her nieces. And she says, you should consider your needs because if a woman is rich, she needs to manage. And if she is poor, she needs to know how to work. 
right? So she's mm. giving this, but she cites these like, ancient Roman, you know, cookbooks, and she cites these ancient Persian parties. And, and I mean, she was clearly an incredibly educated woman that decided to do this. And this is, you know, food as this badge of identity. And she wanted her nieces to keep this. And then when she died, the book fell into obscurity, like like many things do that were at the time, you know, that were published by women, by Latinas. It should have fell into obscurity. I know in L.A. there are at least two copies of this book. The Huntington wow. Library in Pasadena has one and the L.A. Public Library downtown also has a copy. Wow. She was like the first Martha Stewart also because she gave like um, tips about, you know, outside of uh, the cooking knowledge, she gave tips like kitchen cleanliness, the cardinal virtue of every cook, or select your ingredients carefully and know what your animals were fed. Um, I mean, she had a lot of like these amazing consejos. What do you, advices. A lot of different, (laughs) a lot of advice. Yes. You know, even like you know, mushrooms, like make sure that you, if, if your mushrooms turn yellow, they're poisonous. If they're black, they're good. Yeah. So I guess we could, yeah, we could call her an early, an early Martha Stewart. Early Martha Stewart. Do you have this cookbook? Do you have it? I don't have the actual cookbook, but I have this book. It's called Encarnacion's Kitchen. And this mm. was published in the early 2000s. So here she is. There's Encarnacion. Look at her. Oh my God, look at her. I know, she's beautiful with this like very, very fluffy dress. This is clearly well, a photograph. That's a very Spanish, Spanish dress. That's a very Spanish attire. Um, but this is called Encarnacion's Kitchen, Mexican Recipes from 19th Century California. So this is the book that I have, and she was amazing. She also used to write for newspaper columns. I mean, she was an incredible, incredible woman. So what about Elena Zelayeta? I told you about her because somebody sent me a script about her life. She was a celebrity chef before celebrity chefs existed. She, Her life is fascinating. Her life is amazing. And when you told me about her, I was like, how do I not know about this woman? And I, I now I have like all of her, all of her books. You know, she yeah. was a, an absolute force. Um, Elena mm-hmm. was born in Mexico. Her parents were Spanish from, from Barcelona and moved to Mexico and that at the end of the 19th century, you know, to, to make it in America, right, for better opportunities. They were not a well-to-do family at all. She was born after her parents had been in Mexico for about a year and a half. Um, at the beginning of the Mexican Revolution, people were targeting Spaniards. They weren't wealthy Spaniards. They just happened to be Spaniards. So they left mm. Mexico and moved to San Francisco. So she was no. she was 11 years old when the family moved to San Francisco right before the revolution broke out. Well, what I love about Elena, like, you know, she did speak English. She um, was obsessed with cooking, though, and learning new dishes. And she created a restaurant out of her home. And it was pretty successful. But she didn't have like the best husband at the time. So she had kicked him out and then she let him back in. And um, she, she kind of, you know, was this force of a of a woman in the household. Like she was she was a mom and she was a wife and she was also super entrepreneurial. She was incredible. And one thing that happened 
is that when she was pregnant with her second child, with her second son, she went blind, like almost immediately went blind. And yeah, and then she, of course, as she went into this deep, deep depression and she loved to cook, like you said, she had this very successful restaurant from her home um, and she actually wrote her first cookbook. She was encouraged to write her first cookbook um, and she didn't want to do it, but she only agreed to do it so that she could buy a seeing eye dog. So she wrote a cookbook to get enough money to buy the dog. And then um, what I find fascinating about Elena was her career took off after losing her sight. Isn't that crazy? Like that, <laughs> that's crazy. It's mind-blowing. Yes, after losing her sight is when she agreed to write the yeah. first cookbook to buy Seeing Eye Dog, and she ended up selling 90,000 copies. And and then she went on to, you know, write five different cookbooks. She wrote an autobiography as well. Um, and mm-hmm. she was a teacher. She had a cooking show. Yes, she did. This is what was fascinating to me was this story that I told you about because she was the first woman or one of the first people to have a cooking show on TV. And she was blind. And the audience didn't believe it because she had strings attached to her ankles to alert her to which camera to look towards. And she would set out all the bowls in front of her. And if you see footage of the show, you can see how she touches the rim of the bowl and she kind of feels the ingredient in the bowl. Like, And then you take your flour and she's kind of double checking if she's touching the flour. But it, it's, it's really remarkable that she was a woman, she was a Latina, she was blind and she had a cooking show. It's crazy. She had her son was in her show with her as well. So he's sort of mm-hmm. handing her things and you can't tell because she looks at the camera based, like you said, based on what ankle, what, what, what is string is being pulled. And she's really engaging with the, with the viewer. Yeah. She was, a, you know, a powerhouse. She also had a frozen food business. Oh my God. What? I don't know that. She had a frozen food business. Elena's food specialty. She sold frozen tortillas, enchiladas, tamales, and, and she ran this business with her two sons. Her, her husband died tragically, um, even before all of this started really happening. Yeah. And also she had, um, she had a lot of hardship in her life. I mean, she was blind and then her husband was tragically killed, um, in a car accident. And despite all that, you see like the forward in her book by her friend and like newspaper articles that her life view or her outlook in life was so awe-inspiring. Like she, she, the, the, the forward in her book by Helen Brown was to know as, or to know easy is to have a favorite friend to know as a very special person that she had quick wit. She had thousands of friends. I wish I could invite her to a, a dinner party. And, and they used to say, she wrote this book in the Nazam Fiesta recipes, the party recipes. This is the one that was the forward is by Helen Evans Brown, who was a powerhouse in her own right. I mean, she's known as the sort of mother of California cooking. They were good friends. Um, and she says, any meal at Elena's is a party. I love that. Every meal is going to be a party. She was not a fussy cook. She was just fun. She was just nice. Um, yeah, everybody everybody loved her. Um, I love this, like you said, this, this outlook of, on life, this view of life. It was just so positive. I love also 
in her cookbook, she really made a point to differentiate Mexican cooking from Spanish cooking and how it was very different. And so she was like, well, you know, masa is not used in Spain. Spain uses olive oil and saffron and Mexican recipes can be subtle. Not everything is hot, but like she really um, made clarifications between Spanish food and Mexican food. Absolutely. And she does that in the first cookbook that she published, which is this one, the and then that's famous Mexican and Spanish recipes. This is the one that she bought for so that she could buy her seeing eye dog. And and I love that. Different than the Spanish cook that has Mexican recipes, this one she really breaks down what is what. Um, which was quite which was quite new, quite groundbreaking at the time. How many cookbooks does she have? I think she had five different cookbooks plus an autobiography. Mm. Yeah, so she died in nineteen seventy-four. Wow. Oh, a year before I was born. Um, What I found so crazy was in the 1970s, her food line supplied to Weight Watchers. (laughs) She was part of Weight Watchers, her food. At some point, she was part of Weight Watchers. Isn't that crazy? Um, And her granddaughter lives in the Bay Area and still remembers her grandmother as being just this this fireball. This is just amazing, um, amazing woman. And she always had a lot of um, a lot of dichos in her cookbooks. What do you call dichos? A lot of proverbs. Proverbs. All of them. Yes. And there's one, actually, all of her cookbooks, I just opened it up to this one, and there's one proverb right here um, with uh, with a little illustration. Um, And she always had that. And and they said that she always spoke that way. She was always saying the dichos, and people Uh. were like, what are you talking about? Because a lot of them don't really translate. And it's one of the things that people find so charming and um, and funny about her. When we come back, award-winning chef Claudette Cepeda, a San Diego, California-based culinary entrepreneur, sends us a message. When something happens to your car, you might say, But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Cheekies from the Cheekies and Chill podcast. For whatever reason, or absolutely no reason at all, sometimes we all just need some time to turn off and get away. A lot of times on the My Cultura podcast network, our storytellers share their adventures and tips for living our best lives. And why not? With the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card, you can easily check off all those dreamy destinations. Como la playa que viste en ese show or climbing that mountain on your screensaver. I see you. No matter what kind of traveler you are and no matter the reason, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman, some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences 
and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done from the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Hungry for History. On this very special episode celebrating Women's History Month, we wanted to feature a female chef making waves in the culinary world. And who better than Chef Claudette Cepeda, a first-generation daughter of immigrants who is known for her fearlessness in the kitchen and beyond. My name is Claudette Cepeda. I am a first-generation Mexican-American, self-proclaimed border kid. I was born in San Diego and raised between Tijuana, San Diego, and Guadalajara. At 18, I had my son, James, and I realized when I looked at him that I had to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life to provide for him and also follow my passions and my love so I could tell him to follow his. And food was it for me. Food brings me the most unadulterated joy that I've ever had. It brings me a lot of pain. It brings me a lot of growth. And, you know, 22 years later, almost 23 years later, I can seriously say that there's really nothing else that I'd rather be doing. Bringing my food, my Mexican food, to Australia uh, was such a, just such a turning point, such a point of pride, such an achievement, uh, not only for me, but for the generations before me. And to bring this Epeda name to Australia, you know, started off as a joke, an idea of, yeah, I want in. And we got it off the ground in a month and a half. And the reception that we received by the people in Sydney was huge. I didn't know how many, I didn't realize how many Mexicans were living in Sydney, in Australia. And we did a dinner in September where I went and we had mariachi, we had a solo mariachi outside. It was just this really kind of coming of age for myself in my career. And, you know, 20 plus years in, 22 years in, like this is something that I, I, I in my wildest dreams and my ancestors' wildest dreams, didn't think I'd ever, um, was, that it was possible, didn't think that I'd achieve, not because of not being willing to take the chances, but I just didn't see it in my people. You know, I didn't see it in my surroundings, you know, having lost my father in 2022 in uh, June. I wish he had been present for that moment. And um, he always, as a child, he always told me, you were going to take the Cepeda name uh, to the highest places and the highest mountains. And he always wanted this for me as a child. And uh, to see it come to life was much more than opening Taqueria in Sydney. It was really, uh, like, it was a transformational breaking of generational curses uh, that I can't even put into words of what that meant to me and little Claudette. I do think the culinary world is predominantly male-dominated across the world. I walk into kitchens to this day uh, with no matter how much I have achieved and how, you know, TV articles, awards, and I'm still regarded as the lady especially in European kitchens, you know, that chef is reserved for a male. So I think there's a, it's definitely room for education in those moments where you can, 
you know, tell this chef that maybe he's working 50 years in this industry um, that you'd like to be addressed as chef in a polite way to draw those boundaries and tell people how you want to be addressed. Thank you so much for listening to our Women's History Month episode. I love that we're celebrating these amazing women. Thank you so much. Hungry for History is an unbelievable entertainment production in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more of your favorite shows, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar 20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica, la cual pudiera llevarme al hospital. Así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar 20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20, vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar 20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20. Between recording the next episode of my podcast, running a business, and all of the things life throws my way, sometimes it's good to just get away. Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis here. And let me tell you, I love booking a trip where I can escape. There's nothing like spending a few days at the beach, relaxing and spending time with family. No matter what kind of traveler you are, and no matter your reasons, the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card is the way to go. If you travel, you know. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.